Welcome to the Salt Church Podcast. We're a church that meets in the heart of Wollongong. Come and visit us on Sundays, 10am and 5pm at 275 Kira Street. We'd love to meet you. Hello, everybody. I'm Jeff. I'm one of the pastors at Salt Church. It's great to have you here, especially if you're new or visiting today. Uh, We love having you here. Now let me start, after Michael's disrupted everybody, let me start by asking you this question. What is one word you would use to describe church? If you only had one word, you're only allowed one word, what is one word you would use to describe church? Let me give you some and see if these resonate with you. Church is welcoming. Church is loving. Church is hypocritical. Church is inspiring. Church is unmissable. Church is boring. Church is sacred. Church is an impressive building, which sounds like two words, but on my notes it's one because it's hyphenated. So impressive building. Uh, Really, there's endless words you could come up with to describe church, and they capture different experiences and different beliefs about church. But as well as different experiences, did you notice in my answers, there's even a different definition of what church is. The people in a church are welcoming or loving or hypocritical. The event of church is inspiring or unmissable or boring. And the building is sacred or impressive. The people, the event where the people gather and the building that they gather in are all different. But we use the word church to describe all of them. Church is actually a really confusing word in English. So what is a church? And how can a new home help us to be a better church? That's what we're looking at tonight in our new home series. Uh, If you're new, we've been tracking over the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at uh, some really big ideas. As a church, we want to try and raise a million dollars over three years so we can buy a new home for our church, which is really big. But we've actually been looking at something even bigger than that, really the biggest things there are. We've been looking at the things that God cares about most. And whatever God cares about, we want to care about. We want to use our money and our time and our energy and our minds and our skills and everything we have to invest in the things that God cares about. And today we're going to see just how much God cares about church. And we're going to see how a new building is crucial for Salt Church becoming the church that God wants us to be. And we'll see how much you need church. So I'm going to pray and ask God to help show us these things. Why don't you pray with me? Our great Heavenly Father, we thank you for the chance we have to be together tonight. We pray that you will help us to learn from you and to value the church the way that you value the church. Amen. Well, I reckon when most people hear the word church, they think of two things. They either think of a building or they think of a group of Christians meeting together. Two surprises in how the Bible uses the word church, though. First, church in the Bible has nothing to do with a building. And second, church is not a religious word. There is nothing especially Christian about the word church in the Bible. Now, those are two bold claims. Let me give you some evidence to prove what I'm saying. Uh, But I think it's going to help us because when we go back to the way the Bible uses a word, we get to see all the ideas we've added to the word that we need to strip away from it. So that's what we're going to do. Uh, First, church has nothing to do with the building. Let me show you this. Uh, On the day of Pentecost, day of Pentecost, about 3,000 people become become new Christians over the course of a day. 3,000 people, where do they meet? 
Have a look. Acts chapter 2, verse 46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Or another one from 1 Corinthians 16, verse 19. The churches in the province of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord, and so does the church that meets at their house. We notice here, see how there's a difference between the people and the building that the people meet in. The church meets in a house, in the temple courts, in a home, but the church is not the house or the temple courts or the home or a building. And the reason is that the second thing, that church means a group who meets. Church means any group that meets. So church is not an especially religious word in the Bible. Uh, church in our English Bibles translates a Greek word, ecclesia. Say it with me, ecclesia. You don't have to say it with me. It translates a Greek word, ecclesia. Uh, and it's the normal word for a group that meets. So I'll give you an example. In the book of Acts, there's a man named Demetrius who makes silver statues of a goddess, Artemis. But people are becoming Christians. And so nobody's buying the statues anymore and nobody's worshipping the goddess Artemis. And he's pretty ticked off about this. So he calls a union meeting of all these other workers and he tells them about the problem. And here's what happens. When they heard this, they were furious and began shouting, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Soon the whole city was in an uproar. The people seized Gaius and Aristarchus, Paul's traveling companions from Macedonia, and all of them rushed into the theater together. The assembly was in confusion. Some were shouting one thing, some another. Most of the people did not even know why they were there. They all shouted in unison for about two hours, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. And then eventually the city clerk comes and like, what the heck is going on? And here's what happens. The city clerk quieted the crowd and he said, he said a bunch of things, but he says this, if then Demetrius and his fellow craftsmen have a grievance against anybody, it must be settled in a legal assembly. As it is, we are in danger of being charged with rioting because of what happened today. In that case, we would not be able to account for this commotion since there is no reason for it. After he had said this, he dismissed the assembly. Now, the word church, ecclesia, is there. Where do you reckon it is? It's the word assembly. Some people are nodding. You can say, you can say, I think it's assembly. Um, Come on, interaction. Uh, The assembly, the church was in confusion. Some were shouting one thing, some another. If then Demetrius and his fellow craftsmen have agreements against anybody, it must be settled in a legal church. After he had said this, he dismissed the church. It will be just as valid to translate this as church because church is the normal Greek word for a group that gathers and meets and assembles. So a riot is a church, and a law court is a church. And today you could say Alcoholics Anonymous is a church, and the Buddhists who meet at the Nantian Temple, that's a church. And your work meeting on Monday is church, and a soccer game is church. Church is the normal Greek word for a group that meets, that assembles, that gathers, that congregates. Now, why does that matter? How does it help us to see the way the Bible uses the word church? What shows us a building has nothing to do with a church. A group of people can meet anywhere. The building doesn't make a group of people. The group of people make the group of people. But more than that, it shows us what's special about a Christian church. What's the difference between us, Salt Church here tonight, 
and the next meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous or at the Nantian Temple or at a soccer club? What makes a Christian church unique? What makes a gathering of Christians different to every other group that gathers in Wollongong? Well, we're not different because we have community. We do have community. We care about each other as a church. But I would say all of those other examples I just gave you have community and care about each other. This is why people join soccer clubs and how they choose the workplaces they want to work in. We choose them not based on the pay entirely, but based on the community, the kind of people we work with. Because I think deep down we know that humans are made for relationship. We're not made to be lone rangers going solo. We're made to belong. And so humans always want to belong. We're always looking to find our tribe. And there is genuine belonging in many groups in Wollongong. I think Christian churches are different. We're different because we have a different depth of community and care and belonging and love for each other. Uh, God teaches us to love one another. That's different. But that's not the deepest difference. What makes Christian churches unique? What makes Soul Church unique? What, What makes this moment that we gather together on a Sunday unique compared to every other non Christian group in Wollongong is that church is the people. God gathers. If you had one word to describe church, you would say that church is God's. It's God's group, God's congregation, God's assembly, God's gathered people. And that is the biggest difference between Alcoholics Anonymous, a soccer club, a mob in a riot, and a Christian church. There are so many differences between those two things. But the biggest difference is that Christians are God's people. We're gathered by God. Let me show you this from 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 2, Paul starts his letter off like this. He says, To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be His holy people, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. What makes this ecclesia different to the riot one? It's the church of God. God made it. God owns it. The Christians in Corinth are God's assembly, God's gathered people. And it's the same for all people everywhere who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're a Christian, we are God's holy people. And this is the biggest difference between a group of Christians and a group of anybody else. Christians are being gathered by God. How are we gathered? How did this happen? What happens by the gospel as we become Jesus' disciples. I see this in the words of Jesus from John 10. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. I did. Jesus lays his life down for his sheep and then he gathers together his sheep. And this is how God gathers people to be his. Jesus dies for his sheep. And then his sheep hear Jesus' voice as the message of forgiveness in Jesus is taught. And they trust and obey Jesus and they become Jesus' disciples. They become the people God has gathered together. And this changes everything. This really does change absolutely everything about life. Let me give you just three ways that it changes things. It changes your value. If you're a Christian, see how valuable you are to God. 
God literally owns everything. There is nothing you can think of that God doesn't own. But of all that he owns, what is his most special treasure and possession? It's us. It's Christians. It's the church. Listen to the way he describes it in 1 Peter. But you, Christians, you, churches, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. It's the same language from back in Exodus that Kelsey read for us a moment ago. The same language that God used for ancient Israel as he gathered them out of Egypt, made them his church, made them his special people. It's the same that he does for us. God has a special love, a special care for, a special rejoicing over his people, over his church. You are so valuable to God if you're a Christian. Now, you may not believe that about yourself. You may not feel that about yourself. But what God says is more true than our beliefs or our feelings. Second thing it changes, it changes church's value. Christian churches are significant and valuable because God made them and God owns them and God treasures them. What makes Soul Church significant? What makes Soul Church valuable? It's not ultimately valuable because we enjoy it, because we value it. It's not ultimately valuable because I can say, this is my church, I belong here, this is my tribe. It's not ultimately valuable because our society or our government values it. It wouldn't lose any value or significance if our government started persecuting churches. It wouldn't change the value of Salt Church if you or I decided, actually, I don't value the church. I don't want to come to church anymore. That wouldn't change the value of church at all. Christian churches matter because God owns them. God made them. God treasures them. God has gathered people to be his. And what God says about church is more true than our beliefs and our feelings. And the third thing it changes, it changes our behavior. What do gathered people do? Gathered people gather. <laughs> We've been gathered, so we gather. That's what gathered people do. Gathering is what gathered people do. Let me put it another way. Church is a verb. Church is a doing word. The church, churches. God's people who meet, Meet. God's congregation congregates. God's assembly assembles. You get the point. You you see these two things are connected. Uh, We've seen this already. The church of God is in Corinth because they meet together in the city of Corinth. Paul says, say hi to Priscilla and Aquila and the church that meets in their home. Uh, Kelsey read it out for us earlier. We're commanded in Hebrews 10, don't give up meeting together. Churches, the people God gathers... Who gather? That's what we do. Uh, it, it really needs to change the way we think about church. Church is not an event that we attend. Church is a community that we belong to. And that community meets together. Church is not the bit that happens while we're sitting in these chairs. Church is not the bit that started as soon as I got up and started talking or as soon as Kelsey got up and started talking. Church is our community coming together, being God's gathered people who gather. So church began tonight when two people walked in the door and said, how are you going trusting Jesus? How's your week been? 
Church will end when the second last person in here walks out the door. Actually, church usually continues for 20 more minutes in the car park as people keep chatting. I don't think we'll do it tonight because it's bitterly cold. But that's what church is. Church is not an event that we attend. It's a community coming together, being together, gathering together. Which means if we don't come together and gather, we've missed who we are. It's not just that we've missed out on this moment to learn or to grow or to be fueled. We've missed who we are if we don't come to be together. Every time one of us is not here, we all miss out. We're all worse off because of what God gathers us for. The soccer club, the local soccer club wants its members to, to get together, to gather together and support the club. I can assure you, your workplace wants you to gather together and come and do work. God wants his people to gather for a purpose too. Here's the purpose. We gather to become lifelong disciples of Jesus. God has a a plan, a vision, an aim, a goal for his people. He gathers us for a reason. And the reason's in Ephesians 4. Come with me for this one. I haven't put this up on the screen. Come have a look with me. Ephesians chapter 4, page 948, if you have one of the salt Bibles from up the back. Here's God's plan for us. Have a look at verse 12. God's plan, he gives us what we need to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. God's plan is that we would become lifelong disciples of Jesus. Uh, We'd become mature, perfect, complete followers of Jesus. Uh, Not just starting as disciples of Jesus, when we become Christians, but growing as lifelong disciples of Jesus. And what does it look like to be a mature disciple of Jesus? Uh, Well, one of the ways that we often explain this at Soul Church is this thing. If you've been to our beginning series, you would have seen this thing. We call this the Ninja Star of Destiny because somebody called it that once and the name stuck. Uh, So this is the Ninja Star of Destiny. So imagine that you as a Christian, if you're a Christian, imagine that you are this Ninja Star right there in the middle and you're surrounded by a bunch of other Ninja Stars. That's your Christian life. And as God's word is at work in you, each of those points get longer and longer and longer as you grow and deepen as a Christian. Uh, That uh, a mature Christian is a Christian who is magnifying God, who's striving to make striving to bring God glory in every part of their life, where our main aim in life is to love and please and live for our God. And we're growing in maturity. We're growing to know God more, know more about God and what God says about reality, but also knowing God more, like a deeper relationship with our living God, Uh, kind of this insatiable hunger to know God more. And we're gathering as God's people and members of each other, to care for each other, to be a community that welcomes people in, that loves each other genuinely like God loves us. And people who minister, who are serving with our time and our money and our energy and our minds and our skills, serving one another, kind of like verse 12 says. Verse 12, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. And we're going out on mission. We're going out on mission to our city with the hope of the gospel calling Jesus' sheep to hear his voice and to trust and follow their good shepherd and to be gathered around Jesus with us. Church is the people God gathers who gather and we gather to become lifelong disciples of Jesus. 
And we need to be together because God's vision for us as a church and God's vision for you as a Christian is not to be a mile wide and an inch deep. To be Christians, but to be unprofitable, lazy, immature Christians. To be Christ's body, but to be an unhealthy, underdeveloped body. We don't want to be, verse 14, look at verse 14, we don't want to be this. We don't want to be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Just whatever the latest idea is, we go follow that. We don't follow the truth. Now, I've got a six-year-old kid, uh, and it's cute when my six-year-old acts like a six-year-old. That's what he's meant to do. It's kind of disturbing and a little bit pathetic when a 26-year-old acts like a six-year-old, or a 36-year-old, or a 66-year-old acts like a six-year-old. We're not meant to stay as six-year-old Christians. It would be a huge problem if our church or, or the churches across Wollongong grew massive. So many people, thousands of people, but we were an inch deep. Filled with infants who weren't growing. People who became Christians for six months and then turned away from Jesus. God's plan is not for Christians who start the race, but Christians who finish the race. Christians who grow as lifelong followers of Jesus. Uh, Imagine with me, thought experiment, imagine with me for a second, if 100% of Wollongong became Christians. Wouldn't that be amazing? I actually long for that. I pray for that because that's what Jesus deserves. And that's what I want everybody to know. And really, nobody that I've ever met in Wollongong doesn't need Jesus. There are thousands and thousands upon thousands of people who are facing an eternity without God, the eternity under God's judgment, simply because they don't know the good shepherd laid down his life for them. That is so sad. But imagine, imagine if they all became Christians. What would we do? Besides praise God, I feel like we'd put our tools down, pat ourselves on the back, job done, right? Well, actually, no. We'd just be getting started. God's plan is not simply to make disciples of Jesus, but to make lifelong disciples of Jesus, to grow us to become like Jesus. I remember asking someone, asking a Christian once, couple years back asking them what's your five-year plan you know where do you want to be in five years time and the guy I was talking to he rattled off kind of the things you would expect to hear answering that question he was sort of saying here's where I'm at in my job I'd love to be at this point in my career in five years time and I've just started dating someone you know maybe five years we'd be married thinking about kids and at the moment I'm renting I'd love to try and buy a house that's, I think that's where I'd like to be in five years' time. I said, that, that all sounds really cool. What about your Christian life? Where do you want to be as a Christian in five years' time? And he looked me in the eye and he said, oh, yeah, still a Christian. And that was it. That's all he had. And I just felt so sad hearing that. Because God's design for his life and his design for his life were completely different. Not to be an infant, but to be mature. God is so committed to this. He is so committed to this that he gives us everything we need to become lifelong disciples. He gives us, he gathers us, first of all, and then he gives us his word so we can know him. And then he gives us the Holy Spirit to transform us and change us. And he gives us pastors to shepherd us. And he gives us the church. Verse 15, look with me. 
Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. You see, church is not an event we come to. It's a community that we belong to, and we need this community. We need all of us. All of us have a part to play here. We grow as we teach each other the truth from God's word. We grow as we love each other. We grow as we help each other magnify God and become mature and be members and minister and be on mission. We we grow as we glorify God and grow in knowing God. And as we gather and give and go out with the gospel, God's given us everything we need. We need you. We need us. If you're a Christian, this is your tribe. This is where you belong, whether you feel that's true or not. Because what God says is more true than our beliefs or our feelings. And God has made us for a relationship. God has made all people for a relationship, not to be lone rangers going solo. By God's design, if you're a Christian, you need us and we need you to become lifelong followers of Jesus. Uh, I remember hearing about a pastor at a church in England. And he visited the home of someone who hadn't been coming to be with his church very often. Hadn't been for a couple of months. And it was a bitterly cold day, which I'm sure you can hardly imagine today. It was a bitterly cold day in the middle of winter in England. And so the the man that he visited had his fireplace going to warm up the house. And the pastor knocked on the door, got invited in, got a cup of tea, and then sat. they sat down together in front of the fire and had an awkward chat, just kind of small talk because they both knew why they were there. And then the pastor got up at one point and he grabbed the tongs and he took a lump of wood out of the fire and he put it on the tiles next to the fire. And then he sat down and he didn't say anything for about 10 minutes until the flames on the wood died down. It lost all its heat. It was just a charred log. And then he picked it back up, put it back on the fire and it burst into life again. And the church member said, you're right. I'll see you next week. And then the pastor walked out of the building. What's the point? What was he doing there? He was showing you can't be on fire for Jesus without other Christians to fire you on. You can't be red hot for God without other Christians helping you do that. But there's also a second element to it. Without that log, the rest of the fire was colder The whole fire became hotter when that log went back in. You're missing out and we're missing out when you're not here with your community. Every time one of us is not here for this moment we gather together, we're all missing out. We're all worse off because you're robbing yourself of the chance to grow as a Christian and you're robbing someone else of the chance to grow as a Christian through you. And can I say, if you wouldn't call yourself a Christian... I love that you're here. I really hope you're warmly welcomed in being here. I hope that you see in this community the difference God makes. Uh, We'd love you, actually. We'd love you as you come here, as you come and explore Jesus with us. We'd really actually love you to join us. We'd love you to be part of us. We'd love you to become one of us. So we can all chant, one of us. No, that's not why. We'd love you to be part of us because... Because really, the deepest truth about us is that we have been gathered by God. 
and you can be gathered by God too. Uh, by learning about and following Jesus, the good shepherd. So can I say, if you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, keep coming, keep exploring Jesus with us. Uh, Keep asking, why do Christians do what they do? Keep noticing the difference that Jesus is making to our lives and keep asking God to show himself to you. And all of this leads us to our new home which might be a strange, tenuous link. But here's here how we go. Uh, we've been gathered by God. We've been gathered for a purpose. So we need to gather somewhere. We are physical people. So we need a physical space to gather in together. Uh, we've already seen though, church is not a building. Church is the people who meet in the building. So really, buildings don't actually matter. It's a strange thing to say when we're trying to raise money to get a new building. But really, buildings don't matter People matter. But buildings are for people, and so buildings really matter. You see what I did there? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, We need a building because we can gather in a building. That's where we gather. God's people need a place to meet. We need a place to help us to be and do what God wants us to be and do. And the kind of building we have shapes how well we can gather to become lifelong disciples of Jesus. Like for each of us with our homes, uh, I've lived, I'm currently living in the 15th home that I've lived in across my life. I think some of us are like, you've lived in one home and you're like, I can't imagine what it would be like to move that many times. Uh, it's, it's, there's some pros and cons, I'll just put it that way. Uh, but each of the homes that we lived in, as I was a kid growing up and then I moved out of home, as I got married, as I've got my own kids, each of the homes I've lived in had pros and cons, things that improved family life and things that made family life really hard. And it's a bit like that with our church family home. Our church family home shapes how well we can gather, how easy, how hard it is to be a family together. And we've seen that in this building, uh, 275 Kira Street. This building has been a great blessing to us. It's been a great family home. We've been in this building for about eight years, just over eight years. And I have loved, it's been one of my deepest joys as a pastor at Soul Church to see the way we've used this building to grow as Christians. Every square meter in this building has been used to help someone grow as a Christian. There and there and there as people joyfully set up chairs so we could sit and participate in this. Uh, There and there and there as people shared after the gathering and prayed for each other. There and there, as we sang songs to our great God and remembered who He is. Here, as we've opened the Bible week in, week out to learn about our God. Over there, as we ran Beginning, and over a hundred of us joined Soul Church. Uh, over there, where we did Life, we ran the Life Series. And last year, three people became Christians at our Life Series. How amazing is that? Um, there and there, and even in the Beau Repairs car park of a Sunday morning, where people come and teach the kids of Soul Church that our God is so big and so mighty and there's nothing our God cannot do. Over there in our kitchen, kitchen, as we've served meals so that we can love each other and get time together, every square meter of this building, we have seen people grow as Christians. God, it's been a great blessing for our life together. But this building has also limited our ability to be a church family and to grow together. 
And Andy, who's just kind of making his way down the front now, I'm going to get Andy up. Give him a clap, everybody. Hello. Hello. Andy. Andy is one of our other pastors at Soul Church. Uh, we, you, were, you helped get this building ready for us to be in this building eight, eight and a bit years yep. ago. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we we, we a... talked about this. <laughs> we prepared this. <laughs> uh, yeah, we there was there was months of of uh, our youth group. Uh, no, not youth group. Our um, small group social activities going to be come and paint together. There's so much white walls. <laughs> um, we had to paint all that together. So that was that was good. But yeah, it was a lot of a lot of fun, uh, a lot of hard work. Um, but yeah, really exciting to be in, in the space. What did you notice as the difference when we moved in here as a church? Yeah, I guess it's the we we had the desire to to be able to do things, but we just couldn't do them. So uh, it's similar to um, my family house. We we had uh, I've got five kids. We had uh, surprise twins a few years ago, surprise. and uh, hey, and um, and our house suddenly was was uh, much smaller than we had originally thought it was going to be. Um, and we just it just meant we couldn't have people over. We couldn't. There was things we couldn't do as a as a family. Couldn't be hospitable. Uh, but six months ago, we moved to a bigger house, and now we can have people over, and it's easy to do those kind of things. And the desire is always there, but suddenly the new space is, for our house has made it a lot easier to do those things. And I feel like it was similar for our church. Um, the uh, the old space, uh, the spaces we've made in at different places. We're just having our own space that's that's for our church, and we can call it ours and make it our own. Has just been a huge blessing for us in the past eight years or so. Mm. And um, yeah, looking forward to put the new space even be- being even better. So what what are some of the limits that you've seen here in this space that God willing might change a new space? Yeah, lots of lots of nothing big, but lots of small things that I think are going to add up to to the new space being really helpful for us and for our, our new home for our church family. Um, as you mentioned, an, an actual kitchen would be nice. So there's that's that's on the plans. That's not actually a kitchen, um, and uh, a kitchen that you don't have to walk through to get to the toilet. <laughs> uh, but a kitchen that we can we can cook actual meals in uh, and have dinner together as a church like proper dinner, um, not that the dinners we've had are not proper, but uh, I think we've got dinner tonight. Uh, but it's going to be great. It's going to be good. But uh, it's going to be hard that they pulled it off in it's, our tiny little kitchen. Yeah, that, and the way it's worked is they brought slow cookers because they had to do it all at home and bring it in. Uh, so having a bigger kitchen where we can do meals and have dinner as a family, that'd be, you know, that kind of stuff would be really great. Um, hanging out together as a church after church and chatting and stuff's really good. Um, you wouldn't, may not know this, but in the mornings, it's really hard for the parents to do that because there's no safe space for the kids to play. Um, so the parents kind of watching their kids run around next to the road uh, and a lot of parents just like, they, they'd like to hang out and chat after church, but they just need to go home because there's, there's no safe place for their So having a space for that meant it would be really beneficial for our 10 a.m. parents. They can hang out together and talk after church. Um, a new building that uh, the temperature isn't distracting... <laughs> Like it's uh, it's getting cold, um, but it feels like it was only a few weeks ago. It was too hot in here, so it's like, well, make up your mind. Uh, yeah, and so a building that's not distracting in in heat or coldness that'd be really good. Um, yeah, I think lots of lots of different things, but just a better home for our for our church family. I think I'm I'm excited about that um, to do all the things that we to do the same things, but just in a better space so we can do them better and love each other more. Um, yeah, awesome. Thanks, Andy. Thank you. Give him another clap. (laughs) 
I just like clapping Andy. He's a great guy. Uh, let, me, let me wrap up. Let me pull this all together. Uh, what have we seen? The church is so precious to God. The church is so precious to God. Not the building. God's people gathered around his son. Uh, and we meet not for an event, but to be a community together and to help each other grow as lifelong disciples of Jesus. And the buildings that we meet in shape how well we can do that, uh, how rich and deep our life together can be. And this building has been great, but there's limits, and so we want to get a new building. Uh, it's, it's limited not just our ability to welcome new people and people who don't yet know Jesus, but also our life together as a church family. Uh, our, our ability to gather and to spur each other on to love and good deeds. And so I guess the question is in this new home series, the question is, will you help us buy a new building? Will we buy a new building together so we can do this crucial thing better? Because we can't secure a new family home that will make our life together richer unless we're all in this together. And we can't even grow as Christians unless we're all in this together. So let's do it. I'm going to pray. Why don't you pray with me? Our great Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your deep love for us. That when we were running away from the shepherd, you came and you rescued us and you brought us back. We praise you so much for this, Lord. We pray that we'd never tire of celebrating this fact. And we pray that you'll help us to value church the way you do. Not just in the whether we come or not, but the thing, how we prioritize it, how we spend time with each other, what we spur each other on to do. Please help us to be changed by these things that we've seen tonight, Lord. And we pray, Lord, that you would provide a new space for us where we can do this all better and richer and bring even more glory to you as we grow to be lifelong followers of your Son. Amen. Amen.